All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. everyone. Welcome back to another great episode here at the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here, and I'm joined today by Danny Chong, the co-founder of Tranches. Danny, welcome. How are you doing? Good. Thanks very much for having me on the on a, you know Crypto 101. You know, like love speaking to everyone today. I've uh, been keeping um, tabs on the, the kind of like the things that you have been saying all along, and uh, very interested to be speaking to the audience today. I really appreciate that, and um, this is not your first time with us. We had you on the Digital Currency Summit, and we were very impressed by your depth of knowledge and experience. We wanted to bring you back on the podcast to learn some more from you. Uh, but first, let's talk about you for a little bit. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in today from um, Singapore. Uh, just sharing also earlier like uh, normally this is the time when i'll be sending kids to school but here we are just to speak to crypto 101 and it's amazing that we can have this conversation it's about dinner time for me here in texas just early morning for you and we get to you know meet and exchange ideas literally any time of the day uh what a time to be alive in the world we really take it for granted now that we have things like Zoom and international calling and streaming in real time 9,000 miles away, but it really is a marvel to be appreciated. Indeed. You know, I can't imagine life uh, for the past couple of months or years, you know, like uh, without digital communication. Absolutely. So, Danny, give us a, a brief background of your education and your experience in finance. Well, sure. So basically, um, well, I'm an engineer by training. Um, have been uh, for the past uh, 16 over years being in investment banks, um, the likes of uh, BNB Paribas, Sokchan, um, and I've been working across different countries, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, 
running um, roles such as um, taking charge of trading, sales, um, structuring um, for Asia Pacific. So in terms of um, traditional finance, uh, definitely quite um, um, long history, relatively long compared to crypto. Uh, but here I am, you know, like uh, after doing my rounds in crypto, understanding the, uh, doing my rounds in traditional finance and understanding what's been going on, um, trying to bring the experience and also the know-how uh, together with my team into DeFi and see how we can actually contribute in an improvement and continue upgrade of what we know as DeFi today. So where is DeFi at in terms of maturity? You know, if you want to get an education in traditional finance, you go to school, you read some books, you watch some videos. If you want to learn about DeFi, there's no blueprint. It's still being built day by day. How do you look at DeFi from your lenses and apply it to what you want to do? Well, I guess, you know, like uh, I speak on behalf of uh, many friends and families out there, you know, like um, crypto itself is also relatively new. And to talk about DeFi, which I always see as a one layer deeper than crypto, you probably want to see it as a second step or the next step um, from just uh, knowing what coin they are, like Bitcoin or Ethereum. So uh, that's the exciting part about um, crypto or DeFi as well in general that there is no fixed form of learning. And I can see that a lot of um, DeFi protocols coming out with proper white paper uh, and, you know, like a well-written document that for the mm, more keen or, you know, like a sophisticated type of um, users, they can actually go in and find out a lot more in-depth about details. But since there are too many protocols and it may be a bit deep for people to uh, read, about, read out about them, uh, there's always YouTube videos. I, I find that really very useful. I mean, here here we are talking at crypto on Crypto 101, right? So I, I really do um, suggest that um, for new entrants into the DeFi space, there are really a lot of resources online, be it on print or be it on um, YouTube videos. Really just go and uh, sift it out uh, and have a look through before you embark on your next steps. There's no rush. Uh, there's really no rush to try and um, immediately jump on the bandwagon to try and uh, buy something or engage on using a protocol. Um, step by step, I think you should try to find out more what you are going into. Do your own research before you go into the world of DeFi. It's easy. Uh, there are some jargons that you probably want to understand, but after that, you know, like it's going to be a smooth process. Very good advice. No rush. Uh, by the time you learn something, there's going to be 20 more things to learn. So just take it all in stride. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all relative. It's, all relative. it's, all it's very fast moving space. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, you've got a very extensive background in, on the trading desk for Forex. Well, how does the crypto trading and the markets move in crypto move in relation to Forex? Was it a very simple, seamless transition from one to the other, or do things move differently over here? Well, the thing is, they are not that different. Uh, if we have to look at it, you can compare it as like a, a gold versus dollar. Uh, that's always a favorite pair in, in uh, commodities or FX that can be a euro versus dollar. And in the world of crypto, I think everyone's familiar with BTC against dollar. So from the likes of it, um, trading 
FX will not be that different uh, as compared to trading crypto. Well, the thing is, you have to know Forex is a lot less volatile as compared to crypto. So a lot of people who first uh, embark or change from the trading of uh, Forex into crypto, they are suddenly um, astound or a bit uh, trying to adjust towards the volatility in crypto. I mean, Forex is also definitely uh, something that's thicker in liquidity and it only works on five days basis. Crypto works on a 24-7. So I actually heard of uh, friends who, who started trading crypto and they were like, what? It also moves on weekend. I can't get my rest. Uh, so that is, uh, you have to adopt a more, um, different style when you are especially trying to adapt to crypto trading. I do also want to encourage people not just to purely look at it, uh, as, uh, FX or Forex. Uh, you should also look at it as a combination to how, um, an equity is like, because, uh, although it looks very similar to Forex, but there are some basis of actually, yeah, it also, buying into certain technologies or uh, blockchain development or into the de- uh, into the growth of the token itself. So with that, you should also not just purely look at it on trading as a foreign exchange pair. That makes sense. One thing that I've been wondering for a while and we've been throwing around some ideas is why does it seem like everything in crypto moves in lockstep with Bitcoin? Regardless of whether news is good or bad, if Bitcoin goes down, it seems to drag everything else with it. Do you have any theories why that might be? Well, everything is connected in tandem. So even if we looked at it from previously, uh, FX, if euro dollar or dollar yen moves, the rest of um, the regional currencies, dollar sing, even the pound, even the Aussie dollar thing will be moving in tandem. Ultimately, everything it's moving based on a risk on or risk off kind of a sentiment. Um, Bitcoin being kind of the leader and the biggest market cap um, token in the world crypto will surely have an impact as a um, leading um, token for the rest of crypto. If it moves up, definitely the rest of the crypto will want to move up in tandem. If it moves down, it definitely will move down. It's just like maybe if uh, New York Stock Exchange moves up, you know, the rest of the world's uh, exchanges may also move up in tandem because it's all following on, as I mentioned, the risk on sentiment. Now, obviously, the thing to note is that because Bitcoin is bigger in market cap size, um, the moves may be now a bit more stable and less volatile. But if you are looking at the smaller tokens or the above top 20 ranking type of uh, token, you might want to be careful because uh, lesser liquidity and lesser players on those tokens will mean that the moves will be a lot more volatile and they can be moving bigger in percentage points. That's very good advice. Tell me, what's the sentiment from traditional finance like in regards to crypto and digital assets now? I remember when I first got into the space in 2017, Basically, any conversation you had about Bitcoin, you were looked at like a scammer or like you were just crazy. And then, you know, 2020 came around and it really kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes for the need of a decentralized currency and the value of going digital for a lot of things. Yeah, I would say that, you know, like a... um 
what you've experienced is something that I've uh, gone through as well. I'll be very honest, uh, very, very earlier on when, when Bitcoin first came out, I was also a bit skeptical. It was also after I started looking deeper and uh, analyzing a bit more stuff that I find that, okay, this could, this is the future. You know, like this could be something that I'll be keen to do myself. The current sentiment has already much changed uh, from even a year or two years ago. Well, let's look at it from as early as um, 2021. Um, before that, you have not heard of any threat fly coming into crypto. But since last year, the likes of um, private banks, be it from JP Morgan or City, they started having desks that caters to specifically looking at crypto um, for clients. Um, so crypto, um, so clients would be able to access crypto via the desk and so on. And, you know, like um, previously traditional um, institutions, the likes of um, BlackRock, uh, even the traditional bank types like uh, Wells Fargo or State Street, you know, like these are the last people that I will be imagining them coming into crypto. But well, they have announced that they're already coming into crypto pretty fast on. They have already invested. Uh, they have also allocated a certain portion uh, into crypto. They are also providing accesses into crypto um, for clients. Uh, I'd like to come back to you also, you know, like just have an imagination on what kind of a magnitude uh, these people or these institutions coming in could bring on to the world of crypto. Let's just look at um, um, BlackRock. BlackRock is a, is an asset manager that's the size of 10 trillion USD. And that's one asset manager. The size wow. of crypto today is 2 trillion. Uh, imagine that the world of asset managers starts coming in and allocates a couple of percent into crypto into DeFi, where is that going to take us? That's one part of the institution that you want to take uh, note of. Now look at, um, for example, in Ontario, KPMG, one of the top four accounting firms. They have already started allocating 1% of their balance sheet into crypto. They are very big as well. And if you look at the number of corporates in the world and every corporate out there just allocating 1%, what's that going to bring in terms of the market? for the world of crypto or the world of DeFi. Imagine that. So I think we are in very exciting times in which um, different institutions are coming at different, um, I think, time that's comfortable for their own setup, for their own research um, to dabble into crypto. Um, there will be a lot of uh, amazing things that we can look forward to. I mean, New York Stock Exchange, wow. They have already said that they are going to be having their own um, token, they're going to be having their own NFT exchange and crypto exchange as well. There will be a lot of convergence, I, I feel, uh, incoming uh, this year between um, traditional finance and DeFi. So back to your question of like how the world of TradFi is viewing DeFi, I would say they are very excited. Uh, they're very curious and they are taking pragmatic steps uh, coming into the world of crypto and DeFi and making it better. It took a lot just for traditional finance and regulators to be comfortable with Bitcoin from a standpoint of how the markets moved, whether or not volume was manipulated or real, how to custody the thing in a safe manner. And now you've got DeFi, which is very interesting, but it proposes a whole new set of challenges, both technologically, uh, legally, and many other things. 
What needs to happen in order for traditional finance to get their hands on some of these blue chip DeFi tokens? Well, there's quite a few steps that would be needed. Um, let me think about that on what's the best way to reply to you. Um, I think it's a step-by-step process. I, I wouldn't think that TradFi entrance into DeFi would be able to skip the step of not knowing first crypto, mainstream crypto, the likes of BTC and ETH. I think first of all, they would have to be familiar with uh, the top 10 um, crypto tokens out there as a first step, you know, like uh, be comfortable with um, trading them before they can actually move on to DeFi. Now, we all know that DeFi, uh, even for myself, when I first started, even for people that have already helped along the way, set up MetaMask, uh, setting the correct uh, blockchain network and gaining access to protocol, takes a bit of time. And in fact, the whole logic of things uh, sometimes just um, makes it a bit more difficult to understand for the TradFi types or even, uh, let's just say, my uncle. You know, like they would definitely need some time to understand the process. So for them to go into uh, DeFi, there are also uh, other steps that we need to look at. First of all, the transparency of DeFi protocols, the security of the DeFi protocols. And last of all, I think whether regulators uh, allow um, traditional types or institutions to be able to directly uh, investing into DeFi. So maybe I can say that for this to come about, there could be a need for intermediary uh, that is uh, regulated by, you know, like different countries' um, um, regulators. And given being the center point in which, uh, be your asset manager or be, uh, you know, like just banks, where you can actually put money into the intermediary that will help you deploy your assets out. Why? Because they are regulated, so the money they can help you access into DeFi. They do not have to be seen as putting money elsewhere into a metal mask and uh, investing into um, uh, into an asset type that may be not recognized by their own compliance of governance or risk management. So the intermediary will be an important step currently for them to be able to go into it. I mean, ultimately, if uh, the regulatory uh, controls improve, or there are more uh, transparencies or acceptance by by the compliance and uh, risk management part of the business, then there can be a direct access. But I think for now, uh, the intermediaries is a quick solution um, for the world of TradFi to gain entrance into DeFi. Even as I speak today, although I feel that uh, this is the next step, I have already reached out by asset managers from the likes of Switzerland, uh, from other parts of the world who have told me that you, you know, they are already going by themselves, um, investing uh, kind of like a client's um, money into uh, DeFi directly. But those are um, a bit of the smaller percentages now. Um, that there also is a, probably a need for more TradFi people to enter into the world of crypto or DeFi themselves to help um, gain um, confidence into the world of DeFi. I, I also find that some of the DeFi protocols uh, may not be as transparent. And I guess to to the extent uh, regulators can't accept it and to a lot of people, if they can't see who's behind, they may not trust it as much. So the future of DeFi could also evolve with more 
um, transparency and possibly um, more revealing of uh, who's on the protocol to gain confidence and credibility. Interesting, interesting. And there's a lot to do in DeFi, whether it's lending pools for Uniswap or a bunch of stablecoin pools on Curve. What are some of the strategies that you're that you're hearing are attractive to all these big money asset managers? Like, are they just going to be holding a bunch of governance tokens like Maker and Compound, or are they going to be providing liquidity and just earning interest off of lending and borrowing? Oh, definitely. That's a good question. Um, for a lot of the um, institutions coming in, I think they may not necessarily go into the likes of um, Ethereum, BNB, or Bitcoin. They would start with changing and converting into a virtual dollar. So that could be your USDC, USDT, and so on. Um, why? Because they understand that, first of all, on the benchmark, a dollar one is versus dollar one. But they are getting much more yield in return uh, for just holding on to dollar. So with that understanding, they can allocate some of the balance sheet or some of their assets into so-called uh, something similar to dollars. I mean, it's, it's if you look at it on another perspective, it's them putting it into a fixed deposit or buying a bond that gives them a good return uh, every on an ad per annum basis. Now. So from, from my conversations with um, the various um, people, I mean, definitely there will be the types that's looking to uh, go into BTC uh, and so on. But I think a lot more will be comfortable with just gaining on, uh, starting on stable coins and earning attractive U. So any of the big protocols or any of the names that kind of like will be providing uh, liquidity and for them to easily post uh, USDC uh, will be great. Uh, though, of course, I, I see that they need some help in doing uh, on-ram and off-ram conversion. Uh, but of course, that is another story. So um, definitely for them at this juncture, uh, you, you're looking, you'll be looking at the big names, maybe Compound Curve and, and so on and so forth. But I, I believe that um, there will also be the top few um, protocol that's within each blockchain that should be sufficing in terms of ranking for, for them to basically look into. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I was thinking while listening to you talk right there, you know, I've got kind of a complicated question, um, but it's one that we're all living in at the time being right now when we're recording this. And we're seeing asset prices for everything uh, just increasing. And where there's assets, commodities, you know, if we're trying to buy a house, Things are going, you know, $100,000 above asking price in some cases. Rent skyrocketing. Gas is skyrocketing. Food is skyrocketing. Everything's going up. Yet stocks are coming down. Crypto's coming down. Governments all over the world are still trying to print even more money than they already did a couple years ago. If we're, you know, Bitcoin was really the narrative against inflation. That's why it was invented, to protect against inflation, the devaluation of the dollar, so people can have purchasing power that grows over time instead of depreciates. But the dollar is still stronger than ever right now on the world markets. Why is that? Well, that's a, that's a big question to... It's a big question. I don't know if there's a right answer, <laughs> but um, 
you know, it's just something that we, we've really looked at, you know, when, you know, 20% of the entire dollar supply that's ever been created was created in one year, you'd think that's going to, you know, really drive it down. But it, the opposite's kind of happened. I think that's a few things we need to keep in mind. Uh, first of all, let's look at what the world is uh, looking at currently. Uh, there's an ongoing war uh, that makes certain part of um, economical development a bit great. Uh, you're not sure whether this will be long-lasting. You're not sure also of like uh, what are the impacts. And uh, people are taking different mindsets or preparations for, for the eventual ending or not ending of the war. There is also COVID. Um, COVID is actually kind of like um, a wild card that's happening. I mean, with a lot of people assuming that this is um, uh, going to be a thing of the past soon, uh, and everything's going to be going back to everything is awesome. Uh, but that, that kind of like, uh, is still not a sentiment that's shared across the world. I mean, even now, as we can see the likes of China, the likes of, um, Taiwan, uh, they are having a very tough time, uh, in terms of like, uh, COVID numbers. So whereas one, one part of the world is seeing that, you know, like, uh, summer is coming, um, you know, like business flights is back to normal. Another part of the world is seeing a lockdown. So, uh, that, that kind of creates a, a, a kind of disparity between, uh, sentiments and also how things are moving on. If you can actually look at, uh, also another part, which is you mentioned just now, the equity space, it's been going much higher. And this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It has been driven by strong sentiments that things could be uh, behind us now. And um, the world moving forward is getting a bit um, better. But 
again, stocks and equities are basically sentiment driven. And that's why the Fed had to come out to say that, oh, you know, like, um, we feel that inflation is hitting big numbers. We really need to put a curb on it. And hence they come out with um, six or seven planned rate hikes to bring this down. So it is a different time or like the, everything is moving maybe in the correct direction, but just at a lagging or moving ahead kind of a timeline. So if we put it ourselves forward, maybe a couple of uh, months uh, downward when the Fed has successfully put in uh, a few percentage points, or not a few percentage points, rather a, a couple of uh, 1% or so um, into, into hiking rates. I mean, this will definitely make it a bit more difficult to continue uh, owning properties or even to take out a loan to buy more stuff. But this, this, this again will come into a uh, challenge or whether the move is enough as the world gradually comes out of uh, a lockdown or that there will be even new kind of like a um, opening up of like a travel, air travel, who knows, maybe even space travel, right? So there's going to be a lot more uh, uh, trades taking place. So we're assuming that if the hike of the interest rate eventually does curb um, asset prices, these things will start to come down. And I think it's also healthy for equity markets to somehow correct a bit before it continuously go up that is supported by a total or real world kind of a growth where businesses are really doing well and not just based on the sentiment growth. So what I'm saying is that a um, couple of uh, months or years down, uh, or rather year forward, we should be seeing equity going up after the curb and is supported by also uh, real business growth on the ground, GDP growing, uh, and so on, not just maybe in certain country, but around the world. So my point, my point being is that the, the kind of like differences that you are seeing is due to uh, a delay effect of how certain actions by government or by market itself that is not yet shown in tandem. So, okay. So things are moving in ripples. That makes sense. Uh, another question was, you know, here in the U.S., a lot of people don't know that the dollar is not backed by gold anymore, and it hasn't been since the Nixon administration in the 70s. Why is the U.S. dollar still so trusted worldwide despite that? Well, first of all, U.S. is a big country, and uh, I think over everyone has a lot of uh, confidence in the governance of it. Um, there is also built over time a trust in the financial system where uh, U.S. treasuries are being owned by countries around the world as kind of like a AAA asset. Well, this means that the world believes that uh, U.S. will never collapse and they will always be on time to be able to return the coupons or you know the, the amount invested in the treasuries. So that is kind of like a, the basis of uh, the overall financial system. Right? I mean, every every country out there also um, release their own uh, treasuries and, and debts. Uh, every other country will buy you as part of their holding. Or you can see it as every country believing in the financial system and being uh, believing in um, kind of like the stability of the country in which they own the debt to. So U.S. definitely, it's 
the debts are directly um, kind of um, traded in US dollar. Um, US dollar is also treated worldwide as a currency uh, that is the most liquid. And it's, um, well, maybe this will change in the future. I'm not sure. But as of this moment, it's definitely the number one trusted liquidity um, um, forex that is being um, used to purchase almost everything and anything you can see out there, be in the real world or be in the financial system or even in the world of crypto, right? It's always uh, being uh, linked back to the USD. Well, we can look at it as uh, the fact that even in crypto, there's more currency that's that you can actually uh, use to purchase crypto. But ultimately, the baseline of things we all know as well is still USD. Yeah, so that definitely is based on the confidence and the traditional setup of how financial systems and how um, debts and rec- and, and uh, treasuries are actually set up. Well, that makes sense. I mean, belief is a very, very powerful thing. And also, uh, you just thinking of the U.S. dollar as a unit of account, like you mentioned, uh, it's going to take a tremendous amount to disrupt something like that, to re-denominate everything in the world into something else would be a tremendous undertaking and would really have to occur when there's really just no other choice. How can DeFi potentially disrupt the global debt market? Have you seen anything out there that's really built to aid and assist in something like that? Hmm. In terms of the debt market, uh, I'm trying to just think of the protocols that, that actually has uh, interest rate products itself to offer. I wouldn't say that's uh, too proliferated as of now, but I always imagine that, for example, like treasuries and, and debts, sometimes they are, or even maybe not, let's not talk about US, maybe uh, some other bonds that's released by countries. They can only be purchased by accredited investors uh, of a certain unit and size. So if you are not of a certain stature or wealth level, you might not be able to have access to it, uh, which is ironic because these are probably the safest uh, asset or, or coupon clippers that anyone can get. So is it just because that, it's not worth it to do all the paperwork and stuff for small dollar amounts? Or is it really just... Uh, level of sophistication and risk that they want to restrict this? Well, it's a bit of both. Uh, first of all, for a lot of uh, these um, bonds or even access to treasuries, I mean, US is quite efficient. I mean, comparing to other countries, there could be a minimal amount that you have to have before you can purchase a part of a bond or a unit of a bond, right? So there are definitely companies out there who's, who's doing their part to splice this up, but at the same time, they will be taking uh, a cut for doing that, for basically you know taking a chunk and then splitting it out. In the world of DeFi, right, where I see as a, a bright spot and also something that I, I think it's, it's fair, is that with this um, technology, you can definitely um, have a DeFi bond or equivalent launch uh, to raise funds and basically it is as small because everything is a smart contract and automated. You can have clip size as small as $20 or $50. And, 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 and that you allow people, uh, ease of access. Anyone can just go in and purchase it. And, and there it is in your wallet. I think, I think first of all, it's, uh, more encompassing 
and allow uh, really the everyone to be able to have access to good products uh, and com- uh, products that, that give them good returns and safe. Well, if you compare it to the traditional way of looking at things, if you are not uh, maybe AI, you might not be able to buy a bond. I mean, again, I, 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 I share this like um, uh, candidly. Obviously, there are a lot of institutions trying to make this work for everyone and they choose uh, good quality products uh, that that allows uh, individuals like you and I to be able to gain access to it, but again, this may not be uh, encompass as encompassing, and people who may really want it may not be able to have uh, access to it somehow. I guess that makes sense. Well, I really appreciate all the thoughts you've shared on the global situation. Well, we haven't even talked about your platform, Tranches. So. Explain to us what you've built over here. You know, it's called the Yield Enhancing Asset Tracker, and you've got some variable risk solutions, and you've got a bunch of different buckets uh, that are all themed after different chess pieces. What's the thought process behind this platform, and what's it trying to deliver to the end user? Well, first of all, to mention, Trunchess is actually an asset tracking and management protocol that provides a varied risk reward for users that have different risk appetites and capacity. So maybe if you're new to um, DeFi, you may want to go into dollars. You can basically enter into the token Bishop. There's basically stable coin like and get a PRU. Or you can be, you know, like uh, owning BTC and you can be going into the likes of Queen, which is a one-time uh, tracker of underlying. And you can also get Attractive rewards based on um, a normal hotler of um, crypto, or you can be aggressive type and you take on Rook, which is a leverage token that tracks uh, underlying like ETC, B- ETH BTC or BNB. In essence, they are they are basically something a product that's meant for every user out there of different reset capacity and appetite. So we we come in simply enough with a vision, right? That we want to empower. DeFi users with asset management capabilities while contributing to the paradigm shift, obviously from TradFi to DeFi. And uh, now, now actually what we're trying to do, right, is we are gradually increasing our product suite to make it a very comprehensive uh, uh, standard product suite that will be able to give um, sustainable or derive sustainable long-term returns for users across the different receptors, and we are doing that through diversification across crypto assets, going multi-chain, and having increased uh, types of revenue streams. So that that's uh, basically in essence uh, us. Uh, we have a um, team of guys that are from Trefiso, uh Quants, um, trading asset managers, and so on. So we we believe that we are building something uh, to cater to both the DeFi world and the Trefi world, and we can already see that. Since the last few years, things things have been converging pretty nicely. We we think that in the in the long run, um, Trunches itself having products that caters to both the TradFi and DeFi will will be a leading protocol that that shows. I would I wouldn't say show the way, but you know, like uh, kind of like be part of the future into the convergence and allowing people from both sides to benefit. Well, definitely, definitely, we are aiming also to become a single access point, right? To to becoming uh to to gain access to multiple great products, DeFi, and who knows, maybe one day we we could be the single access point for TradFi as well. 
I think you have a really beautiful platform here, and you get you know three easy choices to earn Bitcoin, Ethereum, or BNB uh, with three simple strategies. Whether it's uh, you know USDC based, uh, really low, relatively safe leverage, or you know some yield farming. And it's pretty simple. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that will never have any opportunity to trade on leverage or are blocked out from exchanges um, that have you know long tokens. But um, for example, here the the B Rook lets you do you know two x long Bitcoin leverage just by holding that token in your wallet, and I think that's uh, an amazing achievement. That is that's really really cool. So. Um, thank you for doing that. And I, I love how you've got you know the, the transparent APR ranges of you know what's possible. You know there, there's no gimmicks or frills or guarantees on here. It's just straight numbers and stats. And if it makes sense to you, you can use it. And if not, that's okay. Um, you got all yeah. kinds of other stuff going on over here as well. So pretty cool. Yeah, we're trying to make it like a, a easy GUI and for people to directly see it instinctively. They they understand and know what it's offering. I guess on top of uh, what we are doing, right? I, I didn't mention, but whereas we are very happy innovating in products and, and trying to continuously deliver sustainable strategies for the long term, uh, we are also prioritizing security. Um, that is number one priority for us since day one. I mean, where we started, to be honest, coming from the world of traffic, we were very worried because we have seen drop pools, we have seen hacks and all the things happening on DeFi, right? So definitely that, that, that starting point was kind of like a fingers biting scary for us. But yeah. we, we spent a, we spent a lot of time, uh, looking through quotes, uh, getting audits done. Uh, I think it's also part of our trap five background that, um, you know, like, um, makes us look at things like this. We want to ensure that number one, we don't have compromises on, on the security. Um, yeah, our tech guys are also from uh, familiar names like uh, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, and stuff. So these guys definitely know know what they are doing. That's great. And why did you choose to build on Binance Smart Chain of all layer ones? And there's nothing wrong with it, of course. But what was it about that that attracted you and said this is what I'm going to do? Very honestly, uh, we were thinking about Ethereum, but at that point of time, we were also looking at the gas fees. We just didn't feel that at that, at that juncture, the, the amount of gas fees that, that would be paid is going to be offering good value to the users. Um, the truth is part of our investment, uh, C investor included finance labs and so on. Um, so we kind of like looked at it and we think that it has a relatively good support for protocols. Uh, and hence, uh, obviously very, very, uh, cheap gas fees. At that point of time, so that that kind of like uh, propel us to, to move ahead with that as a starting point. That makes a lot of sense. There's kind of a a bias against Binance Smart Chain tokens and things that are listed on PancakeSwap, just due to the nature of rug pulls that have happened and how easy it is to use that platform. So it's really a testament to how good of a platform it is. But I'm looking here at you know your tranches platform and your chest token. It's one of the most legitimate things I've ever seen built on the Binance Smart Chain. So, you know, much respect to you guys for that. And what do you think it's going to take to more legitimize that ecosystem? I mean, in a decentralized world, you can't really pick favorites or non-favorites. But what what can 
Binance Smart Chain do to incentivize more good projects to use it? Well, first of all, BSC is already renaming themselves uh, as BNB Chain. Uh, mm -hmm. Part of the process, they also realized that uh, they want to be ahead of time. Uh, first of all, to, to ensure gas fee remains low. Uh, there are also plans to prevent you know the blockchain from bloating, from delays, uh, from all the possible have a stumble stone that other blockchains have uh, encountered, right? Um, blocks not not being produced and so on. So I think they have been very uh, ahead of time, pragmatic in, in trying to keep up with times and providing best value for protocols uh, online. Uh, being on Binance, uh, the BNB chain, I, I to be honest, I'm quite grateful because uh, they have put us up as... Um, um, MVB, most valuable builder, as well as putting us on the Hall of Fame in recognition of what we have done so far. So, so there is a very good, uh, kind of recognition or how you say, uh, um, a community, uh, feedback on what's good and what's not, which they take into account seriously. Uh, there are also lots of, uh, incentives being provided for good projects out there to have access liquidity to do something to improve be it for community space be it for also like uh, improving protocol in fact now there's an ongoing hackathon that is uh, helping that with with helping protocol in mind on making certain processes smoother for them so that there really it's um I, I would I would say that there are definitely other blockchains out there that's uh, doing similar but by looking at them as an individual blockchain I, I think they are doing quite good uh, in the sense of like uh, ensuring things move forward in uh, in a safe and uh, continuous manner, we were also given this this program put on this program for priority one. Uh, I think it, it came about because uh, a lot of the protocol voice out that okay, you know, guys, what what if we we get hacked? What what are you guys trying to help to do about it? So basically, if you have a um, bug bounty with Immunify, they will actually offer you maybe a 2x, 1.5 or 2x on top uh, if anything happens as, as a, you know, like strengthening kind of like white hackers to really look at your codes uh, even uh, pro more properly so that they can um, get back a bigger bounty, right? So so that's really quite a lot of uh, stuff. I, I, to be honest, I, I was surprised myself uh, to, to see this continuous like um, kind of a give back from, from the, the blockchain. Yeah. We will definitely be moving on to other chains uh, with um, Ethereum, with uh, our immediate goal set. Uh, but we are also kind of like uh, cautiously and uh, looking at the landscape of layer tunes uh, as we speak. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and just one further note, I wanted to add: Binance Labs uh, is actually one of the has one of the best reputations for projects they invest in. I mean, their first class. You know, you look now, you know, they've got, you know, five or six projects in the top 200, um, including things like the Sandbox, Algorand, um, Harmony, uh, Kava, and many, many more. So you're in really, really good company just to be listed in, in that whole Binance Labs incubator. So congratulations to that. Um, as a most valuable builder, that's, a, that's another amazing achievement amongst all those other great projects that came from there. So it's really tremendous. Um, and I love what you're building over there. So we definitely are going to keep an eye on it. And I'm sure as things go even more multi-chain, there's going to be even bigger, better opportunities.
thanks very much. You know, like uh, I really hope that we can continue building out uh, new innovations and uh, sustainability. Uh, you know, for the overall ecosystem, uh, we have we have actually sometimes been um, flagged a bit by our community and say that you know, like you guys are working at the snail pace. Uh, we, I feel that we aren't. But uh, if anyone feels that way, we also want to just say that you know, like uh, uh, we we do spend a lot of time on 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 the security. Uh, as as we rather we rather have things done slowly, than you know, like for things to be done fast, and you know, like uh, everyone gets caught in a bad situation. Oh, absolutely! And you know, behind the scenes, it might take one week to actually get things done on the coding side, where it's it looks like it's working, but then you want to spend another three months to six months actually bug testing and penetration testing and doing all that stuff to make sure it actually is secure. So uh, and that's the right way to do it. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, uh, just a couple more questions. You know, who's one person that really inspires you to do what you do in this space? Give, give someone a quick shout out. Well, you know, like uh, I was really thinking about this, um, but Kind of like I wouldn't attune it to anyone. I mean, I I could say that you know like uh uh Satoshi Nakamoto, but you know like uh, this this guy was obviously some some you know like uh, we are still trying to find out whether it's a figment of the imagination or it's a really real person out there. But to have a vision to come out with uh, Bitcoin and and for it to flourish and become what it is today across the whole crypto market. I think we really need more of such characters who is a visionary and able to move things ahead quickly. Now, um, obviously, I'm not going to just mention one person. In fact, I, I met with a lot of uh, um, protocol CEOs uh, who are trying their best, working around the clock to be producing um, a finer um, kind of a protocol and delivery to the community. I, I think these guys are definitely what I would see as probable a next level of visionaries that will help take DeFi into the next step where it's going to be widely accepted by not just the world of crypto natives, but also um, to TradFi that's incoming uh, as we speak. I love that. I mean, a big shout out to all the founders out there that are working 24-7 schedules, taking calls at 3 a.m., 3 p.m., uh, working across you know 18 different time zones just to move things forward. I've never met a harder working group of people in any industry that I've ever seen uh, as crypto founders. It's just really unparalleled, just the, the drive that so many of you guys have. Yeah, check out the Ibex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Ibags tell the story right there. <laughs> Ibags, crypto bags, <laughs> both are getting pretty heavy around this yeah. time. Um, and lastly, <laughs> the final question before we let you go. If you could just give us one more word of wisdom, just in case this is the first podcast that someone's listening to, how should they get started? Um, I guess I mentioned this earlier uh, on the call as well. You know, start out by doing your own research, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of people who jump into the bandwagon listening to friends and basically just applying for metamask or even applying for uh, a lock-in to um, a cx and basically just buy whatever the friends are saying um yeah please please just uh, slow down and you know like uh, look through 
uh, about what you are actually doing. Don't don't go greedy and invest in size. Do it in small baby steps. Um, especially if you are coming into DeFi, be very careful. Uh, there are so many cases of uh, uh, people losing their seed phrase. There are so many cases of people buying the wrong stuff over the wrong chain and they never see the money again. So uh, more haste, less speed. Um, do your own research. Um, please also definitely watch YouTube videos like Crypto 101 uh, and then other, other interesting protocol out there that basically teaches you the basics get you uh, up to speed on understanding before you take your first action steps. That's great advice. Get an education, don't follow the hype, and for the love of God, don't listen to your friends. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Danny. Well, thank you so much. Uh, You're a friend that is definitely worth listening to, so where can we check you out uh, for more of your thoughts? Do you have a Twitter or anything that we can follow you? Oh yes, uh, so my Twitter will be DC King T. So DC King T. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. All right, everyone, that's it for today, and we'll be back next week with another great guest here on the Crypto One Hundred and One Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.